Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, The Three Absolute Worst Health and Fitness Goals You Must Avoid, Plus a Clear Recipe for Turning Bad Fitness Goals into Good Ones, by John Berardi, PhD. If you want to achieve your health and fitness goals, you need a powerful formula, something to organize your efforts. In this article, we'll help you get organized while covering three important strategies for turning bad fitness goals into good ones. Here's what JB has to tell us. What exactly are your fitness goals? Any effort to get in shape starts with this question. And it seems like an easy question to answer. Just rattle off how many pounds you want to lose, what pant size you want to wear, how much weight you want to deadlift, or the date you need to look photo-ready, and you're on your way. Of course, that's how most people set their fitness goals, but are they doing it right? Usually not. That's why we spend a lot of time helping our coaching clients define and set the right kind of goals. When you set your goals up properly, you have a simple, elegant, action-inspiring blueprint. You know exactly how you're going to build the skills you need to get the body you want. Proper goal setting is a plan for getting things done. When you do goals right, you feel ready, willing, and able to make your dream happen. When you don't know how to set your goals, you get lost, confused, overwhelmed, crushed by the shoulds, distracted by wondering and worrying, or by irrelevant details. And yes, if you succeed with poor or unclear goals, it's probably by accident. Mastering the skill of goal setting is powerful. Early in the development of our PN coaching and certification programs, we realized it wasn't enough to talk about the kinds of goals that work and the kinds that don't. We needed a formula that our own coaches and certification grads could use with clients, one that was easy to understand and implement. We needed a formula that could be applied to any desired outcome, from losing weight to getting off cholesterol meds to feeling good about where you are in life. Today, I outline that formula. So listen on for three important ways to instantly transform bad fitness goals into good ones. Beginning with step one, turn outcome goals into behavior goals. Generally, when someone asks about their fitness goals, most people start with the outcomes they want. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want that thin-skinned, ripped look. I want to binge less often. Or I want to deadlift double my body weight. Outcome goals describe how we want things to be at the end of the process. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting things or talking about what you do want or starting with the end in mind. But we can't stop there. Wanting things isn't enough, even if you really, really, really want them. Because we often can't control outcomes. Outcomes are affected by environmental things, like your job gets crazy busy, your kid gets sick, your gym closes for renovations, 
your mom with dementia needs help, or you have exams at school, and they're influenced by physical things, like your hormones get out of whack, you have a chronic illness, or even just a tough bout with the flu, you're stressed, you're traveling a lot, or you're getting older, or you're having problems sleeping, or perhaps you sprained your ankle, or your arthritic knee is doing its thing again. You get the idea. You can't make your body do what you want it to, and neither can your personal trainer. But you can control what you do. That's why behavior goals are so important. They focus on the things we do have control over. Behavior goals represent your commitment to practice a particular set of actions or tasks every day, as consistently and regularly as possible. So here's a practical example. The client says, I want a flat stomach. And the coach says, okay, cool. Let's write that down as the outcome you want. But now let's think about all the little steps we need to take to move you toward that outcome and which one should come first. In my experience, here's a step that makes a huge difference and it's a great place to start. It's very simple, but incredibly effective. Eating slowly. Now I know it doesn't seem to relate to flat stomach right away, but in fact, eating slowly helps you pay more attention to what you're eating and how. That means over time, you make better food choices easily and effortlessly. Eating slowly helps you eat a bit less, but still feel satisfied. It helps decrease bloating because now you're chewing and digesting your food better, which is another plus for Project Flat Stomach. So would you be willing to try this first step of eating slowly and also to track whether you practice this? Now, since eating slowly helps folks eat less, and eating less most often leads to fat loss, not to mention the benefits of better food choices and better digestion, this approach helps turn an outcome, which is uncontrollable, into a behavior, which is controllable. Here are a few other examples of how we can turn outcome goals into behavior goals. So, an outcome, lose 10 pounds. The behavior, eat till satisfied instead of stuffed at each meal. The outcome, lower blood sugar. The behavior, eat fruit for dessert instead of sweets at least three times a week. An outcome like squat more weight. The behavior, squat three times a week at various intensities. The outcome, sleep eight hours per night. The behavior, create a calming pre-sleep routine and start it 30 minutes before bedtime. Or how about the outcome, have a better relationship with partner. The behavior, have a date night once a week. Notice how both outcome and behavior goals are trackable. However, behavior goals are usually more effective because they give you something to do and track each day. So how can you set powerful behavior goals today? Well, first, write down one outcome you want and don't overthink it. Just name the desire you want most right now. Second, write down some of the skills you think you'll need to get that outcome. If you're just starting out, focus on foundational skills. What are the basics that make everything else possible? For instance, if you want to manage your time, you need to learn how to use a calendar. Third, related to each skill, write down a behavior or two you can do today that'll help build those skills. Now this can be really easy, like walking through the gym doors, or even packing your gym bag for tomorrow morning. And fourth, do the behavior today, and tomorrow, and so on. And keep in mind, if you don't follow through on a given day, don't let it derail you. Each day is a clean slate. Now, of course, if you want help breaking outcomes into skills and skill behaviors, make sure to check out our cheat sheet. And you can find it at precisionnutrition.com forward slash pn dash coaching dash secrets dash revealed. All right, let's move on to step two. Turn avoid goals into approach goals. Stop drinking soda. Stop eating junk food. Stop smoking. Avoid goals like these are nice and straightforward. What's simpler or easier to understand than don't? Now, it seems logical, 
don't, or stop will push you away from something bad or something that threatens what you want to achieve. Yet avoid goals are psychologically counterproductive because you're telling yourself to stop doing something almost guarantees you'll keep doing it. As you might imagine, nobody likes being told what to do. This is called resistance and it's completely normal. The moment someone, even yourself, argues strongly for change, your natural reaction is to argue equally strongly against change. What's more, if the goal is to stop doing something, even the smallest slip can feel like a failure. One miss means you're quote-unquote off the wagon and all hell breaks loose. So these avoid goals are a lot of psychological work. They take up a lot of mental and emotional real estate and energy. All you can think about is what you're not doing or shouldn't do or really want to do, but you're not allowed to do it. Ah! <laughs> That's why we help clients turn avoid goals into approach goals. Now, approach goals pull you towards something desirable and quietly pull you away from something you're trying to avoid. Approach goals also focus on feeling good, about doing good for ourselves. Here are some examples of how we can turn avoid goals into approach goals. Now, note how approach goals are about adding and enjoying good stuff rather than taking away or avoiding bad stuff. All right, our first example. An avoid goal, stop snacking on junk food. An approach goal, snack on cut up fruits and veggies prepared in advance. Now the benefit, fruit and veggies are good for me and this helps me get more out of them. Here's another avoid goal. Stop overeating when stressed or overwhelmed. The approach goal version, stay checked in and practice eating slowly and breathing between bites. The benefit, I feel so much calmer. I enjoy mealtimes more with my family and my digestion is better. All right, another avoid goal, stop drinking soda. The approach goal, drink a glass of water with at least three meals each day. And the benefit, I don't get headaches or constipated anymore. Next avoid goal, stop eating when I'm stressed out. The approach goal version, come up with a list of stress-relieving activities that I enjoy, then pick one from the list and do it. The benefit, I feel so much better after my stress relief break. And our last one, our avoid goal, stop feeling so fatigued and sleep deprived all the time. The approach goal, develop a relaxing sleep ritual and 9 p.m. bedtime. The benefit, I'm clear-headed, energized, and happy. I need less caffeine now. So how can you set powerful approach goals today? Well, first, write down a bad habit you might want to avoid. And this is pretty easy. It's the hard-to-break behavior you nag yourself about all the time. Second, write down a good habit or two you can use to replace the habit you want to quit. Try to make the good habits relevant to the context. If, for example, you usually take a smoke break at work, take a tea break instead. Third, write down an approach goal you can do today to support the new good habit. Start as small as you want. Maybe you take the tea break today, or maybe you just bring your new tea stash to work today so it's ready for you tomorrow. Fourth, identify how this approach goal will benefit you. Brainstorm all the good things that your tea break could bring. You get antioxidants, you try all different kinds of tea, you can use the adorable mug your daughter made you in pottery class, you can hang out in the break room with that attractive coworker who also likes tea, you'll smell like fragrant jasmine instead of cigarette smoke, <laughs> whatever. And fifth, find what works and repeat. You can try a bunch of different approach goals to find out what feels easiest for you. When you find one that works for your life, practice it every day. Okay, let's move on to step three. Turn performance goals into mastery goals. Performance goals are a lot like outcome goals. 
but they're usually associated with external validation, such as wanting to get good grades from a teacher, win a competition for the fans, or race against a standardized time. Just like outcome goals, performance goals are often limited by factors outside of your control. For example, it could be rainy and windy on the day of the marathon. That's out of your control, yet it influences your time. You could get a head cold, an upset stomach, or mega period cramps on the day of a powerlifting meet. You may not perform well or set that personal record. Or you could show up in top form at a bodybuilding competition, but your opponent could show up in better form. Now, of course, performance goals can be fun for a while. They can push you to achieve your best. But it's incredibly demotivating if they don't work out. Every time you don't achieve the performance standard, you may think that you've failed, regardless of whether it even makes sense to meet that standard. And performance goals put our happiness and satisfaction in the hands of someone or something else, like pleasing a coach, beating a competitor, matching an arbitrary number, having lots of social media likes, or getting a gold star. We never really feel like we accomplished something because we're always looking over the fence. Mastery, however, is different. Mastery emphasizes the process of getting a little bit better each day at a particular skill. You don't expect to be a black belt as quickly as possible, but you do expect to progress a little at a time. Mastery focuses on the joy of learning and the value in intrinsic, inside yourself process. External validation becomes irrelevant when you're focused on the pleasure of doing the activity itself. Mastery is also gratifying because no matter what others think or do, whether you're judged poorly or you're outperformed, you can still feel good about your own personal progression. Truly, mastery is motivating, no matter what else is going on. But wait, you're thinking, I'm an athlete. Or maybe, my clients are athletes. Athletes are defined by performance goals. Well, they might be during competition. However, during the day-to-day grind, the best athletes I've ever worked with have focused on mastery almost exclusively. The intrinsic pleasure of a growth mindset, of learning each day and of making improvements is what keeps them training for years. And top performance comes from mastery. After a disappointing play or game or season, mastery-oriented athletes don't question the value of the activity or of themselves. They don't feel like losers. They see losses as essential learning opportunities. And let's imagine a situation where performance can't get better. Let's imagine that an athlete is winning everything, performing their absolute best, at the top of their class with few competitors to challenge them. If there's no one else to beat, what do you train for? Mastery. Here's an example of this in action. As many of you know, I've worked with former UFC champ Georges St-Pierre. Back at UFC 111 in New Jersey, the crowd saw GSP completely dominate his opponent, Dan Hardy, for five grueling rounds and 25 minutes of fighting. What the crowd didn't see was that George was dissatisfied. When given the opportunity, he didn't submit his opponent via armbar and the fight went to decision. What did he do? At midnight, immediately after the fight ended, hell-bent on perfecting his technique, he went backstage and spent 30 minutes working on armbars with his grappling coach. That's what mastery looks like. Another example comes from Javid Best, elite NFL running back who recently retired from football and started competing as a sprinter. When asked about his track and field goals, he replied simply, to master the technique of sprinting. He didn't talk about winning this competition or that one. He didn't talk about his 100-meter times. He talked about mastering his craft. And here are some examples of how we can turn performance goals into mastery goals. Now notice how mastery goals involve the words like work on, 
build, and practice. All right, here's a performance goal. Beat a personal record in the half marathon. The mastery goal version, work on running elegantly, efficiently, and smoothly. Watch video of self-running and identify technique elements to improve, then incorporate these into training plan. Here's another performance goal. Bench press more weight. The mastery goal version, work on increasing bar speed and strengthening supporting muscles. Consistently practice exercises that do this. Another performance goal, beat last year's time in the Tough Mudder. <laughs> the mastery goal, build up lactate tolerance through high intensity anaerobic sprints. And our final performance goal example, drop body fat to 8% for an upcoming competition. The mastery goal version, build my ability to consistently prepare and execute a well-designed meal plan. So with all this said, how can you set powerful mastery goals today? Well, first, write down a desired outcome that's a performance goal. This could be obvious or it could take some digging, like, damn, why am I so focused on lifting more weight than my brother-in-law? <laughs> Second, write down some ideas for turning inward with that goal. If you take the external validation out of the equation, what does success look like? What do you want to master for you, for the craft? Third, think about which skills will lead to this mastery. Not to a faster time, but to a body that can produce faster times, or higher jumps, or smoother movement, or better decisions made more consistently. Fourth, write down an action that you can take every day for the next two weeks to build those skills. Then take action. Our clients have a lot of fun with this one because it tends to totally transform and renew workouts, meal planning, and other health-related regimens. It becomes about practical progression. It can even become a game. And fifth, track your progression toward mastery. Make your practices a permanent part of your daily or weekly routine. Have fun tracking your progress and high-five yourself for all that progress, no matter how small. All right, so now with all this being said, you might be wondering, why set the right kind of goals anyhow? Well, the right goals can help you set realistic expectations and break large projects into smaller pieces. This avoids overwhelm and helps you stay committed. The right goals also help you feel in charge autonomous, accountable, and responsible for your own life. And this is a good feeling. You need it for sustainable change. The right goals also set you up for long-term understanding and inspiration that sticks, rather than short-term quick fixes that ultimately fail or frustrate. Plus, the right goals boost your own intrinsic motivation. They're meaningful to you, rather than being about someone else's judgment, standards, or agenda. And lastly, the right goals can help you take action right now, in real ways, in your real life. Because in the end, only action leads to change. This has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition reading today's article, The Three Absolute Worst Health and Fitness Goals You Must Avoid, plus a clear recipe for turning bad fitness goals into good ones, by John Berardi, PhD. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash fitness dash goals. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.